the last four seasons, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend has followed Rebecca Bunch as she pursued love, dreaded her mother, and tried to address her mental health. The show stars Rachel Bloom, who created the show with Aline Brosh McKenna. Now it's all over, and we're going to talk about it. The finale tried to thread a very particular needle when it came to Rebecca's multiple love interests, and it even explained, sort of, why it was a musical. I'm Glenn Weldon. And I'm Linda Holmes, and we're talking about the ending and the legacy of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, so don't go away. This message comes from NPR sponsor, AT&T Prepaid. AT&T Prepaid gives you value and flexibility with monthly pay-as-you-go plans on the same AT&T network without credit checks or annual contracts. This means you can still stream, swipe, and scroll on your device whenever, wherever. So whether you bring your favorite phone or pick up something new, AT&T Prepaid gives you the freedom to find a plan that lets you connect on your terms. To find out more, visit at slash prepaid. Welcome back. You just met Glenn Weldon of the NPR Arts Desk. Also with us is Audie Cornish, co-host of NPR's All Things Considered. Hi, Audie. Hello, hello. It's been too long. I know. And also, also with us is our friend Daisy Rosario of NPR member station WAMU here in D.C. Hi, Daisy. Hello. We have all independently, as we've come into the room, been talking about how excited we are to (laughs) jump into this show. We did cover it when it was first on, Mm -hmm. but uh, this was one we thought was worth a look back at the end, Glenn, you have published on NPR.org, people can look it up, your final list of the 27, it was going to be 25, but Glenn mm-hmm. is extra. Yeah. <laughs> Glenn, Glenn is extra, extra. Uh-huh. 27 uh, best songs in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And I should say, by the way, we're going to spoil this finale. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about everything. Yeah. Uh, the finale doesn't really have songs other mm-hmm. than a medley. Yep. What did you think of the finale? I thought it was incredibly satisfying. Uh, I thought it uh, ended up being surprising but inevitable, which is what you want in, a, in any kind of finale like that. I was never a team Josh, team anybody. I didn't want her to end up with anybody because heterosexuality is, no offense, boring. And uh, <laughs> heterosexual love stories are being shoved in my face all the time. Don't eat them. The fact that we end with her falling in love with a creative pursuit, uh, especially one that's been staring at us in the face all this time. I just I just thought it worked. Yeah. How about you, Audie? What'd you think? You know, one thing I liked about the finale, which I found unusual, is that if you had never watched the show, you could watch the finale. Yeah. She explains mm-hmm. the premise of the show, you know, this being this woman who had a high-powered job and decided to follow uh, what the person she thought was the man of her dreams to a new town. She even explains musical theater <laughs> <laughs> and explains the show as a musical. And I'm a person with a love-hate relationship with musicals, so I kind of got dragged into watching the show kicking and screaming to start. And the finale felt like, in a way, if I told someone, hey, have you watched Crazy Ex-Girlfriend? I could have... I could say, watch the last one (laughs) and then go back. And it wouldn't be a spoiler in a way because the show, as she very much explains in song, is about people's journeys. Yeah, and I think, you know, when Glenn said it was surprising and yet inevitable, what made it feel that way to me was that it's always been clear to me at some level that the point of this show is that it is not about her getting a boyfriend. And yet for much of this season, they were cranking up and up and up the sort of idea that she was choosing between the boyfriends to the point where I started to think, is that really what they're doing? (laughs) And then, but then when they didn't, it did seem inevitable. Daisy, Mm -hmm. what did you think? I really enjoyed the finale. I found it also very satisfying. I 
liked that there weren't any new numbers. I actually thought that was the right move for where we were. You know, it felt like a celebration of the other songs and the story that those songs were able to tell. And I think as a, you know, as someone who's you've watched the whole series, like those songs mean different things through time. And they even, you know, they reprise them at different points in the show at other times as well. And so it just felt like here's this thing that has always understood itself in a way that you know, you couldn't tell what it was going to be. Not like this, not to this level when you saw the ads for it when it first came out. And I think it really knew what it was and had fun with what it was. And it stuck the landing. Yeah. One of the things I love about the show is that it is legitimately it is weird. Yeah. And <laughs> I have always really respected the fact that it's genuinely kind of weird. And if you didn't follow Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, when we talk about the multiple love interests, you essentially had Josh Chan, who is this kind of <laughs> likable bro, d- bro mm-hmm. lug kind of dude, who's the one she came to California thinking he was the man of her dreams. They'd known each other as kids. And she heard that was where he was living and went there to pursue him, although she denied that's what she was doing. Then you had Greg, who was a friend of his that she had met, who was a very kind of also depressive person as she was. Very complicated mental, I think, issues going on for him, too. Mm -hmm. Eventually, Santino Fontana, who played him, left the show. So Greg left the show. And then in the last season, they didn't have access to Santino Fontana because he's on Broadway, but they wanted to close up that story, I think. So they recast him with Skylar Astin, who I knew from the Pitch Perfect movies. Mm -hmm. And I think they kind of steered into the idea that they were playing with the fact that when you haven't seen someone in a long time and you've changed a lot and they've changed a lot, they feel almost like a different person. And then you also had Nathaniel, who was the kind of arrogant, business lawyer dude (laughs) that she had met at work who kind of eventually uncovered this somewhat softer side after coming in fairly hot as a, what do we say, an arrogant suit. Yeah, I I mean, each of these, if you're um, a lover of rom-coms as I am, each of those male characters was an archetype. You know what I mean? Very Mm -hmm. much that Greg character was like the Paul Rudd guy from Clueless. And the Nathaniel character was every hot, arrogant lawyer in every rom-com yes, that has so ever true. existed. It's so true. Um, and, Great uh, Kinnear role. Yes, yes exactly. Yeah. And I think that's something I've always respected about the show. She loves and respects romantic comedies, and I think it's Aileen Brosh McKenna, who's mm-hmm. the creator, has mm-hmm. written them. She wrote um, 27 Dresses. 27 Dresses. Yeah. She wrote um, The Devil Wears Prada, exactly. the Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so these are people who respect the genre mm-hmm. enough to have a lot of fun with it. And it is legitimately weird. Borderline cop rock weird, <laughs> which is why at first I was yeah. like, hard pass. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. But the whole time, there's so much smart writing. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so many pieces that you think if this was a think piece, I'd hate it. But it's a song and it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I I think we kind of got used to the show, sadly. I mean, it's hard to think back to that first season when there were just so many bangers, one after the other. It's also easy to forget that this is a mammoth logistical feat. They are making an hour-long comedy. Put that aside. Now they are adding one, two, and sometimes three elaborately staged musical numbers on the CW Seed, which is the app, there's a uh, 50-minute long behind the scenes of the finale where you can kind of get a sense of just how much of an effort this thing is and how exhausted Rachel Bloom and Aileen Brush McKenna <laughs> yeah. seem. Yeah. I think the show ended at exactly the right time. They pitched it as a four-season story. 157 songs, which is what it turned out to be, 157 songs, that's a lot. While some songs in the fourth season stand with the all-time greats, there weren't a lot of them. 
And I think just you're writing your 148th song, and then you have to write 149th. But I think it also is reflective of how the story pivoted, right? So we went from wacky antics, almost literally a farce in the first season, where there's levels of deceptions and, you know, I, I don't want to get found out, to somebody dealing with mental illness, which is meds and therapy and workbooks. And you can make great music out of that, and she did. But it went from being a farce, which has all these giant moments of emotion that can just explode uh, musically to something that is much smaller and character-based. Yeah. And I think the songs pivoted that way too. And, and I think my favorite song, looking back at this show as a whole now, is A Diagnosis. A diagnosis. Don't tell me It's dealing with something that people don't necessarily talk about, which is how people can fixate on the idea of just getting a name for uh, their mental illness is the cure for their mental illness. Right. It shows her level of delusion, which is what this show is about, you know, mm-hmm. and, it, and it's uh, it, it was just so smart to get us started on that journey toward getting healthier very tunefully. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. The stuff about mental health for me was so fair Mm -hmm. in the sense that it wasn't something that came on all at once and then ended all at once. And it wasn't something where she just had to go find the right doctor. And, you know, it's clearly an ongoing thing. And I think one of the concerns people had about about her not ending up with any of these guys was that the implication would be she's too kind of broken Mm -hmm. to have a happy relationship because she was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder you know, is she too, she's incapable of it. And I don't think that's the implication at all. The implication I got, which was familiar to me only, you know, through experiences with depression and anxiety, nothing quite like this, but that it is so, it takes so much energy just to barely be functioning when you are dealing with something like that, that when you start to feel like you have a little bit of a handle on it, the first thing you want to do is just see what you do with all your energy when it's not directed toward that, Mm -hmm. when it's not directed toward kind of scrambling to keep up with everything that's going on in your head. And that's kind of where I felt like she ended up was she's perfectly capable of having a a romantic relationship. And I think it was very intentional that they pivoted it to where all these guys are pursuing her. Mm -hmm. So clearly she has that choice. And I think she could have been, maybe not with Josh, but she probably (laughs) could have found a way forward with either of the other two guys. They cared about her. They're good dudes. Mm -hmm. She just didn't because she fell in love with writing songs, which I thought was so interesting. Yeah, I think she absolutely seems desirable and interesting and they make all of the things that she has taken as negatives about herself and show how they can be negatives if she doesn't do certain things but they don't have to be and I think we see the other characters really reflect that back to her but that ultimately she will be happiest if she deals with herself first not exclusively but at least first and I also really like the way this show also dealt with other characters mental health issues without necessarily making it as on the nose as hers Mm -hmm. like Paula is codependent right (laughs) and like we see it and we see Greg deal with addiction and so to really see all of these different characters kind of get into their things or Josh's you know anxiety of kind of not knowing what to do and how he's let his personality be defined by these other things it really dove into all of that with all of those people. And I love that aspect of the show. I don't think people, it would be very hard for me to watch that episode and think 
that there was a statement being made about her not choosing the men and that having to do with her mental health. I mean, they're very explicit in the writing Mm -hmm. that she doesn't know herself, right? Mm -hmm. Like the first whole opening of the episode, she imagines she has a dream where she sees a series of scenarios, and in each one, she, air quotes, should be happy. You know, she's at the wedding. She's with the kids. She's with the man of her dreams. And as soon as those people leave the room, her face falls. And she's in this dream saying to these imaginary selves, why aren't you happy? What's going on, you know? And I think it was very, very plain in saying, like, look, this escapism into love is not going to take you away from the things you need to address about yourself. Right. None of those things are going to work. And they did that, I think, in the first five minutes. Yeah. You know, so when you settled in, I did not se- yeah. settle down thinking we're going to pick someone at the end. The show has always been about depression and anxiety. She talked about that in an interview with us in 2016. And she also, I think recently in talking about the finale of the show, maybe it was to um, Entertainment Tonight or Entertainment Weekly, talked talked about the idea that if you looked at something like the Sex in the City finale, where Carrie Bradshaw, you know, and Mr. Big get together despite the fact that they've basically had an awful relationship and that the show basically rewarded dysfunction. Mm-hmm. And she and the creator here for Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, they didn't want to do that. You know, they, they wanted to say, like, look, if you're still working on yourself, it, there's not an end point to that. Right. And if you're not there yet, that's okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? To find something that you love, that something doesn't have to be a person. Yeah. And I think for people, for young women especially, we're, we get so many messages where love is an escapism. You know, love is a daydream. Love is all of these things. That love is the savior. It is the right. savior. Yeah. And they had this fantastic number in one of the episodes. I think um, it was the one where they have to have the dates in a kind of bachelor scenario. Mm-hmm. And they do this guys and dolls style number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I hate musicals, so I'm prepared to be like, <laughs> fast forward. Mm-hmm. And then I felt so seen because like the, the premise of the song was love's a game mm-hmm. and you're betting on it and the shipping culture and fan culture that's obsessed with relationships that there's something kind of silly, embarrassing, and maybe even toxic about that. There are people I have seen who feel like that the show built to this, she's going to wind up with one of these guys, and then didn't ultimately fulfill that piece of what they had expected from it. But the whole show has always been like, you think it's this, but it's not that. I feel like every opening theme has been playing on that joke. That's what I think, too. But it's easy for me to say, because I feel like... The door that was most left open at the end of the finale was Greg. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like that was the one where even though they had him explicitly say, I'm not going to wait for you, I feel like that is the one that you most feel like that story's not necessarily over yet. You don't necessarily know what's happening, whereas Josh has a new woman that he's with. Nathaniel has gone off to do do gooding. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> With monkeys. It's easy for me to say I didn't mind because to me it's like, well, and I was always team Greg, so So I I win in some way. Whereas people, I think, you know, it might be that I'm not actually as at peace with it as I think I am. I just think I won. (laughs) It's reflective of his journey. I wrote down in one of in one of the comments his first his first line to her, something like that, was, you're pretty and smart and ignoring me, so you're obviously my type. That's yep. such <laughs> a good line. So yeah. for it to come Aww. around to the end episode and him saying, I'm not going to wait, is actually also about him. Yes. Saying, yeah. like, uh, okay, I don't have to go down this and road I, and again. And I agree that they needed to close out that relationship in order to end the show. Yeah. And so I understand why they went with the recast, even though it bothered people. You certainly got a sense, as we entered the home stretch in this final season, that they were very intentionally giving every one of these characters that surround her... <laughs> 
an ending of some kind to their arc. Not just the like the second tiers like Paula, but like White Josh. My oh. favorite thing <laughs> about the finale is White Josh being there in that room and saying, you know what? I never came around to you. Yes, and I don't think I ever will. <laughs> and he still, he still is just upset because he still thinks she and Greg might wind yeah. up together. Yeah, so And she says respect. Respect. Yeah. Because uh, that guy would not come around to, to her. To her. Yeah. Never in a million years. Absolutely. You just have a crystal clear sense of who that character is. Yeah, yeah. I love uh, that too. In any other show, well, in, in a lazier version of the show, she'd be this ball of energy in the middle and people would just bounce off her and they'd be you know round character in the center flat characters everywhere else but they yeah. really there's a generosity of spirit that I think just came through the writer's room of just let's give all of these characters a moment even you know in many cases a song yeah, yeah. well and I love the fact that of all the women that she wound up with right as her dear close besties Paula was somebody who originally looked like she was going to be her antagonist mm-hmm. in the first episode or two Valencia is who was dating Josh when she was interested in Josh. The evil, beautiful girlfriend. The evil, beautiful girlfriend. And Heather was involved with Greg. And that's how she got to know Heather. So these women who have come into her life in these very cliched kind of ways became her little squad and have supported her and she supported them. And they have their own personalities and their own things going on. And Valencia married a woman and Heather went off and had a kid. And I think it's so interesting to me. The friendships on that show are so interesting to me. I think they've really served them well, going back to the, well, the Spice Girls number (laughs) and also the let's generalize about men number. Let's generalize about men. Glenn, uh, you said a diagnosis was your top. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's not the grooviest. Um, yeah. I think Let's Generalize About Men is is probably up there in the terms of bangers. But yeah, I really, really love the weirdness that is so emblematic of the show that's in a song like uh, the Sexy Getting Ready song, which mm. features, I was dismayed to learn yeah. uh, when I went back and looked at it again, Nipsey Hussle. Yeah. yeah. There. It was and very he's sad. so funny in it. He's yeah. great. So, so it. funny It's not just in the it. song. It's the like follow-up scene yeah. that they give him yeah. to. Yeah. yeah. Daisy. Give me a favorite song or two. Okay, it's really hard. I think my favorites are the ones that I've like personally related to a lot. And so my most favorite one is, uh, oh my God, I think I like you. Mm -hmm. Um, Ooh, too real. Um, (laughs) So real. But also then a couple of songs I want to give honorable mention to are just, I really loved any time that we were genuinely hearing things about women that we didn't hear all the time. And so another song that I love is one that we never quite get to fully hear, which is Period Sex. Right. Uh-huh. Like any time they even just teased that, I was just like, this show. <laughs> it's true. Um, you know? And and then another one that I think is hilarious, but my goodness, I've never really heard this acknowledged publicly, Heavy Boobs. Yeah. yeah. Audie, do you have songs that you like, despite the fact that you're a non-musicals person? Yeah, absolutely not. I have zero interest. <laughs> In any of the songs. Wow. Um, Amazing. I, but I also tend to watch The Walking Dead and fast forward through zombie, zombie kills. Stuff. So yeah. I'm the wrong person. I, I am here for character I development and I have no shame I about that. Huh. One, I'll just give a shout out for an unrelated topic then, which is the diversity of the show and the casting. There would not be a white Josh on another show because oh all gosh. the Joshes would be white. For real. <laughs> and also what that meant is that when the characters did burst into song, it was the first time I really understood the joy and felt the anything can happenness of musical theater. Mm-hmm. Because some people look to me, because of my own biases, like, oh, I don't expect that person 
to be dancing as well as they are or performing in this way or that way. Like, I don't have that musical theater knowledge mm-hmm. and I'm not a like a musical theater nerd. And so when people did and they're all so talented that it really felt magical yeah you know even if it's magic that for me I'm kind of like oi yeah. emotions yeah um, but <laughs> I, I think that the diversity of the show made it as wacky as it is grounded it yeah and made it feel like a real place you know how many shows have you watched in New York where there are no people of color right. and you're like this is the magic. Right. You know what I mean? This mm-hmm. is the dragons to me. <laughs> yeah. um, West Covina felt like a place you actually could visit, see, and those people are people you would see at the mall, well, albeit and, more beautiful. And Rachel Bloom <laughs> said that about casting Vincent Rodriguez III as Josh Chan and also showing a lot of his Filipino family, which I thought was a, is a great episode. There's yeah. one that's very much about them. And she said, these were the dudes that I knew when I was living in this part of California, like to me, she was like, to me, it wasn't a big deal because yeah. a lot of them were Filipino-American dudes, And it's not a teachable right? moment. I know sometimes people write into PCHH and like, why are you guys always bringing up diversity? But to me, I feel like I should call it out where it's good because then when it's bad, <laughs> we all know y'all just lazy and don't feel like doing it because <laughs> we can see where it has been done well and this show did it well. It's similar to a show like Brooklyn Nine-Nine to me where yep. it feels effortless. It just feels like it just is. This is just who's on the show. Mm-hmm. And I, I really appreciate that too and the songs I would call out would be uh, the very first penis I saw sure <laughs> very good song <laughs> great choice. titles great such, choice. such a funny song I want to hear what all of you are thinking at the end of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I know this finale was a little more polarizing than it seems if you are in this room. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash PCHH or tweet us at PCHH. That brings us to the end of our show. You can follow Audie Cornish at NPR Audie and Daisy Rosario at Run DMR. Best handle on Twitter. It is. As I always say, <laughs> thanks to all of you guys for being here. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. And of course, thank you for listening. If you have a second and you're so inclined, do subscribe to our newsletter. It is at npr.org slash newsletter. We will see you all right back here on Friday when we will be talking about the Twilight Zone. Antidepressants are so common that taking them is all we have in common. I'm Bob Boylan, creator of the Tiny Desk Concert Series. We've just launched the 2019 Tiny Desk Contest. It's our search for the next great undiscovered artist. The winner gets to play a Tiny Desk Concert. It'll change your life. Find out more at npr.org slash tinydeskcontest.